Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast and radio show that taps into music's power to crystallize moments from our lives in an almost magical way. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Alexander Goldstein. Alexander was born in Moscow in 1948 into a family of Bolshoi Theater Orchestra musicians. He began his studies at the age of six at one of the most prestigious music education centers in the world, the Nesson School of Music in Moscow, 16 years later, he completed his music education by graduating at the Nesson Academy of Music with a master's degree in conducting and French horn. He started professionally composing music in 1976 in Moscow and has now composed music scores for 26 feature films, two silent classics, approximately 300 documentary films, animations, countless radio and television shows, circus and stage shows, and commercials and sports programs in the U.S. and abroad. He's also worked with athletes and coaches from 20 countries and helped hundreds of national competition participants spanning four different continents. More than 40 Olympic medals and more than 120 world medals were won using the music that he either edited or arranged. In 1991, he moved from Moscow to New York City and became executive producer and creative director at WMNB and EABC in Fort Lee, New Jersey. In 2005, Alexander relocated to Naples, Florida, where he continues to produce documentary films and compose music. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for inviting me. So we normally ask our guests like where they grew up and what the musical background of their childhood was. In looking into you, it seems like you were living a life and your family that was completely immersed in music. Is that a fair assessment? 90%. 90%. <laughs> uh, my father was a professional musician. He was a French horn player, and he played in uh, mostly in Bachelor Theater. Then uh, he placed in all Moscow uh, Philharmonic uh, orchestras and uh, in the radio orchestra and uh, uh, government orchestra of Soviet Union. And he even played... Once with New York Philharmonic when Leonard Bernstein came to Moscow with a concert and mm. uh, my father was invited as an additional musician. And uh, after this, I first in my life tried to chewing gum. Oh, yeah? Because French horn player gave him some gifts. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow. So you, uh, had you, did you know it existed? You just hadn't had any? Or was that an entirely new thing, the chewing gum? It was an entirely new thing. <laughs> I have never even heard about it before. Wow. And you grew up in Moscow. <laughs> yes. And my mom, um, she didn't know the uh, professional notation or anything, but he could play any melody she have heard and uh, repeated on the piano with two hands without any problem. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> hmm. How do you properly pronounce Moscow? I hear Moscow, I hear Moscow. Uh, in Russia, it's Moskva. 
Moskva. <laughs> and in English, it's Moscow. Okay, Moscow. Oh, Moscow in uh, New York accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were instruments being played around you clearly as a child. There was, you said there was a piano in the house, I presume. Was piano your first instrument or was French horn your first instrument? No, definitely piano because for French <laughs> horn, you need to be grow up uh, and uh, even can handle the instrument. <laughs> right, right. It's, uh, there, there is no small uh, French horn like... Uh, f- there's, no ju- there's no it's like model. It's uh, like a small violin. Right, right. Hmm. So I need to, to be a teenager to, to start to play French horn. So you started studying music, though, at age of six. So was that piano first? Uh, yes, it was piano. For, even I started at five uh, with the tutor and at Moscow. Um, uh, it, it mostly was like a game uh, with the uh, rhythms, uh, with the dancing, with the repeating some notes, uh, but it was mostly games, and uh, uh, after it, I studied at six in a special music school, and uh, it's seven years in music school, and it's besides of the regular public schools. So after public school, I went to the uh, music school. Oh, so you did uh, both. Three or four times uh, the days a week. And it was uh, challenging because uh, it's about an hour to reach the school. <laughs> wow! So you were you were like doing school, and then you were getting off school, then you were traveling, and then you were doing more school for music, and then you did that again tomorrow. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> was, and it was six day uh, school period. Wow! Not not five like now. <laughs> was there music being played around your house, like on records or something like that? Uh, it's a little bit on records, and I remember that my grandfather he brought his patiphone RCA Victor. <laughs> oh right, a Victrola, like a, yeah. you, you were doing the hand crank. Yeah, yeah. wow. And then um, uh, my father bought. Uh, uh, tape recorder, and uh, for, from tape recorder, I have heard only uh, American music. Mm. <laughs> uh, and in my life, uh, my father took me to all uh, his concert and rehearsals as much as I could go, and uh, it was different kind of music life. One is home, one is outside, it's pure classical mm-hmm. and opera. And uh, at home I have heard uh, uh, Benny Goodman's uh, records, uh, Glenn Miller, uh, and then uh, later I was able to do it by myself to uh, get uh, the recording of uh, American singers like Epid Boone, uh, Connie Francis, uh, Brenda Lee, huh. <laughs> Elvis Presley, and then uh, in the 60s it was, uh, of course, Beatles and the Beach Boys and the Rolling Stones, 
But Beatles and uh, Beach Boys was my favorite. Wow. Did you study music starting at the age of six because you showed an aptitude or because it was an expectation in your family? Uh, actually, it was no choice. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, I was surrounded by uh, musicians because uh, we live in an apartment building which... Uh, all of them was occupied by Bolshoi theater musicians. Okay. And uh, there, is, was, there was many uh, children my age who studied music too. And we uh, went uh, to the different school, but uh, uh, it was no, no choice to... Uh, nobody think about something different. None, none of them, uh, because uh, none of them became a professional musician. Some, some drop um, after school. Uh, in, I would like to explain a little bit. In Russia, there are different um, name of education. School, it was uh, beginning. College, it was like a, a university. Uh, and uh, the, the highest was like, like uh, the academy. Okay. So everything like upside down. <laughs> okay. Did you all, uh, just to explain for our listeners, so you all lived in that same building, musicians, because this is how it worked in Russia in the Soviet Union in the 1950s. Uh, or is that not accurate? Not really. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm trying to flesh uh, that out. Um, this is, was uh, the first COP in Moscow, and it was organized after the Stalin's uh, order to make this building for orchestra musicians of Bolshoi Theater because uh, many months before he, uh, the musicians, orchestra musicians stayed after the uh, performance uh, after hours and Stalin came and listened to many different anthems uh, in the process of selection of Atom for the Soviet Union. Huh. So it is a, like a reward for orchestra. Uh, the parents need to, to pay for everything, uh, but we have uh, uh, the very good building, apartment building uh, at the age of the Moscow, but now it's almost at the center of the Moscow. Because <laughs> huh. oh, Moscow has gotten so much bigger. Yeah. Um, well, let's do your first song. Uh, in the Mood. Glenn Miller? Glenn Miller in the Mood. It uh, was so unusual because uh, on the radio, there is no Western music. Okay. Uh, I don't mean the country western music. <laughs> right. You need, uh, need non-Russian music. No, uh, um, except maybe for for some song of uh, composer of songs, even the popular songs of the uh, country of the social uh, uh, republics. Gotcha. Uh, music from the West, not yeah. Western music. <laughs> yeah. Music from the West, uh, it, it was banned. It was banned, right. Yeah. So why is, why is this Glenn Miller song your first song? Uh, first of all, it's uh, one of my first impressions. 
and uh, much later on, uh, I decided to make my own composition uh, named in the Jewish mood, <laughs> make uh, this uh, some interpretation of uh, Glenn Miller's tune to make mine, and I wrote it in the classical Adagio Allegro style with a uh, slow first part and the fast uh, the second part, which is uh, in the intonation of the in the mood, but in the minor. Huh. Okay, well, let's listen to In the Mood, and then we'll listen to some of your composition that you just described. This is Alex Goldstein's first song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. This is Glenn Miller's In the Mood, which was released in 1944. So that song came out in, or that recording was released in 1944. You were born in 1948. About how old would you have been when you first heard that song? Five, six. Yeah. What, do you remember, like, I mean, that song has just got so much going on. I mean, do you remember what your first thoughts or impressions or feelings were when you heard it? And, and how different was it from what you'd heard before? First of all, it was completely different to what I have heard before. So that, uh, that's why it was uh, the tremendous impact. <laughs> so it was Were like you almost like different... starstruck? Were you almost like... <laughs> <laughs> it was a different world. It was a different world. And uh, when you don't expect anything like this, it's even more impact. <laughs> huh. uh, so explain then, you said you have this song in the Jewish mood, which is something that you composed. Explain how it connects to or is born out of what we just heard. And then we'll listen to some of it. Uh, so I tried to use uh, the same some rhythmics uh, patterns. Um, I try to use uh, the mood itself mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, changing to the uh, Jewish, which is um, almost all Jewish uh, songs in the minor. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and... Uh, uh, it's uh, the, the what I wanted to to express uh, the, the different angle uh, of this music, and uh, maybe from the today's uh, look to this uh, great history of uh, jazz music. How old were you when you composed this in the Jewish mood? Oh. It was already in Naples in... Uh, oh, so so within the last couple decades anyway. Yes. Huh. I, I look forward to listening to it. We'll play it here in just a second because you're talking about like, you know, toe tapping and um, you don't think a minor song, you know, songs in minor keys is being toe tapping. But let's listen to a little bit. Swinging in a minor key. <laughs> <laughs> Who's performing it here? It's a Siberian virtuoso at a string ensemble with piano and uh, the Canadian uh, clarinet player uh, Julian Milkis. 
How often when you compose music are you doing something like that where you're, I don't want to say riffing on, but extracting something from a previous piece? Is that common or is that an outlier? Uh, there is a tradition in music that uh, composer make their own composition based on uh, music of other composers. Uh, it's uh, the, the history of it goes uh, very deep uh, to the uh, 18th century. Mm-hmm. So, and Bach and Marcello made the composition on the Vivaldi music. And in, so it's a time-honored tradition. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and. Uh, Stravinsky made uh, his ballet on the pure of uh, uh, music of Pergolesi, and uh, uh, Rachmaninoff made uh, Rhapsody on the theme of Paganini, which is uh, in variation, and I later on wrote my uh, rhapsody on the theme of Albinoni. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And um, uh, also I made different composition uh, besides of my own compositions uh, based on uh, some theme of uh, previous composers. Hmm. It's uh, sometimes, is is it citation? Sometimes it's uh, flavors? So it it goes uh, like uh, automatically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How old were you before you then started pursuing and playing the French horn, you know, seriously? Uh, the last year of my music school, I started to play horn, uh, and I like it very much because my father was a French horn player. My uncle, who lives with us, also was. Uh, a French horn player, and uh, it was very natural. <laughs> and uh, after the several months of uh, starting to do it, I was uh, accepted to go to the as a French horn player to the uh, musical college. It's uh, like uh, the after eight grades, ni- nine grades to to twelve. So you hadn't been playing French horn very long. Is that kind of how it typically would work for an instrument like that? No. You think of you know classical musicians as being playing their instrument since they were this big, but you've already explained you don't start playing French horn when you're this big. So is that normal for French horn? Uh, it's normal for French horn. Uh, n- nobody started French horn uh, from 10, from 11. It's about 13, 14, 15, the, the earliest time. Uh, so explain how your college years went with French horn. I mean, was that – did you only study music or did you also study – like here you would still have to maybe take some math and some science and some literature and things like that? Yes, it was co- – of course, was uh, and, and literature and science and uh, mathematics, but not so uh, intensive. Hmm. Uh, but uh, when I started to go with the class with uh, my colleagues with the woundwind instruments, uh, which they started much later than I did started music, uh, 
I had much higher uh, the theoretical education of music. I knew much more in history of music, theory of music, uh, solfeggio. So um, it was a little bit uh, boring for me. <laughs> and so I decided to uh, enter the another parallel course of uh, choir conducting. Hmm. And uh, it was much, much easier to me to be on the same level with other students, theoretically. Hmm. Um, were you pursuing French horn because you wanted to perform as a French horn player in orchestras? Yes, it was plan. That was the plan. Did you do that? Because I know you started composing in the seventies. So what you know? What happened between college and when you started composing? Uh, after the college, I uh, entered uh, to the uh, institute, like uh, the academy. Uh, academy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now it's it was uh, uh, named institute. It's an uh, official name, the Nations Institute of Music, which is the same of the conservative uh, level of education plus the pedagogical uh, theories. Gotcha. Um, so I uh, started to uh, study French horn uh, in the institute, and uh, the year later I started to go to the uh, orchestra conducting. Uh, but on the... On the th uh, third course of education, I had something unexpected. My lips uh, started to split inside, hmm. and uh, doctors uh, told me that uh, I must uh, wrap it as soon as possible. So that put an end to pursuing French horn seriously. Yes, and uh, I already just, uh, I played not so not so. Uh, bad, <laughs> maybe not the best, but uh, I was invited to be a substitute with different Moscow orchestras, and I have some experience, and I like it, but um, I couldn't uh, couldn't do it, and uh, I compressed my uh, education from five years of four. And uh, in uh, one session, I need to make uh, take the exam of all f four uh, level uh, f f and uh, as well as uh, five five years. So uh, I took some fours. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, we have uh, the level from one to five. Ah, so in other words, you got some Bs, we would say here. Yes, I, I, unfortunately, <laughs> I always have a fi five <laughs> A's, but uh, it was difficult to, to, to do it everything. Um, uh, but uh, I was able to uh, graduate with the um, five years students. And as a conductor... Uh, I need to go to 
some Siberia to be assistant and started uh, in very low level. So you went to Siberia to be an assistant conductor? Is that what you just said? No, I <laughs> decided to stay in Moscow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I, I was not ready for this kind of life. Huh. <laughs> and uh, it was everything uh, went so quickly. So I need to make a decision. And during the, my uh, institute level, I made already a lot of arrangements. Uh, I have a even special uh, trio in the Moscow Philharmonic. Uh, and I, it's a, a little bit unusual in violin, cello, and harp. Mm. And I made a lot of uh, arrangement of popular music, symphony. Uh, classical popular music for them. And uh, I made arrangements for different uh, ensembles or orchestras. So uh, I was familiar with this, and I decided to go to a film production studio mm. uh, as a... Uh, Freelancer, mm-hmm. uh, there was no position for full time, only for freelancers, and uh, I was a su- uh, music supervisor, and I selected music for uh, different kind of uh, films uh, using the pre-recorded music, uh-huh. as well as um, uh, I went uh, to the music library and uh, selected music reading the scores. Okay. Which all that all turned out to be very foundational to much of what you've done since, right? Yes. And uh, I need to um, sometimes rearrange it and make some uh, cuts uh, on the paper. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, Kids, uh, with, with when you cut audio back in the day, you used a razor blade. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I use a razor blade when I use uh, the recorded music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but on the score, it was much easier. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, exactly. On the score, you could use an eraser. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier that you were listening to Western music. So if I'm doing the math right, you know, your, your, your college years and your academy years would have been, you know, mid-late 60s. Were you at home on your own time listening to going home and listening to the Beatles and all that stuff? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it. Uh, I have my own uh, tape recorder, and we exchange with my friends. Uh, so these would have been bootlegs coming into the Soviet Union during that era, right? Of course, we we have a, a lot of friends of musicians who played. In uh, it's also the parents' friends who brought who brought f- records from. Uh, Western uh, countries, and uh, we just immediately put it to the tape, and uh, <laughs> and it was uh, our the only source. Was there, um, you know, was that okay in terms of the culture and the authorities? Were you, uh, you know, was that something you had to keep hidden or to yourself at all, or not so much? If I didn't uh, doing something illegal like distribution or something, uh, it was. Forgiven. <laughs> hmm. So, when did you compose your first piece? Uh, when I started to um, work with the scores for uh, for some films, 
Sometimes it was very challenging to find like to 20 seconds piece of uh, music on the score. Uh, I'd spend maybe one, two, three hours to look for it, and I decided maybe it's, it's much better than I write it. Hmm. And I uh, wrote it the first time, and it was very scary for me that it will be something unusual for orchestra and will uh, sound uh, completely different than uh, uh, the other scores I brought. But it was make, uh, very smooth for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I like uh, this idea. And uh, the second, the, 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 some after this works, I put more and more of my music. <laughs> and uh, at this time, I already have a pretty good reputation among the directors, which I uh, helping with the music. And I was invited to all different kind of uh, film studio in Moscow uh, to make uh, music supervising, to suggest some music. So when I... Uh, offer my pure composers, uh, composers uh, uh, works uh, for them. It was uh, very easy to them to agree with this because they knew if something bad happened, uh, I I could I could make it a different way. Right, right. It was <laughs> it was f- flexible. It was malleable. Um, did the production company or whatever, however you describe that company, did they have like an orchestra that they worked with? So like when you compose 20 seconds that you need for this piece, do then they just walk over to the orchestra and say, play this? Or how does that work? Uh, there, uh, there is, there uh, still is, uh, the uh, special uh, symphony orchestra with different kind of additional musician for, let's guitars and keyboards and drums. Uh, and this orchestra um, had a monopoly uh, to play music for films during the monopoly. U- U- monopoly yes, yeah. Okay. It was a monopoly to play music for film for them during the Soviet Union, and then it, uh, the orchestra stayed and mostly recording music for majority of the film over there. Do you remember when you heard that short composition for the first time? Because it's one thing to write it down. It's one thing to imagine it in your head, hear it in your mind's ear, but then to hear your notes and your arrangement to come out of musicians. What was that like? Frankly, it was not so uh, new and uh, unusual for me. It was not a surprising moment. Yeah, because because I already made a lot of arrangements. So uh, it was analogous to what you'd already done in some ways. Yeah, I I knew what I have heard when I wrote it. So uh, uh, <laughs> us non musicians find it difficult to imagine that. Uh, <laughs> and um, the only things need to be uh, consistent. What uh, and asking of musicians and. Uh, mostly conducting, because you talk to the conductor only, not to the musician directly during the recording. Uh, And uh, you need to be consistent what you're asking to, to do. 
Um, when you would compose like for that piece or when you do compose, is it all in your head? Is it sitting at a piano? How does that work? It goes to the different ways. Sometimes uh, uh, it goes, first of all, uh, it goes like inside. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it starts uh, with a thought. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when you come to the piano, uh, sometimes it goes completely different. <laughs> uh, in movie production, if you're a composer, you must know all music genres because it depends on the film. You was invited to compose music. It could be symphony music. It could be folk music. It could be jazz music, uh, experimental. Uh, and uh, you need to be uh, very flexible with this. And for another hand, uh, you always have a deadline. Because at a certain time... Yeah, your deadline is somebody else's <laughs> deadline, which is somebody else's deadline. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I need to uh, present my uh, handwriting score for the copyist uh, to, to prepare it for orchestra. And uh, my uncle was uh, one of the greatest uh, copyists in uh, Moscow. Uh, and uh, he took uh, some help to me if I am late. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he uh, was very uh, concerned about uh, my writing style and taught me a lot of things. And uh, he put uh, me down to, to, to know what's, what's wrong with this recording. <laughs> Was <laughs> I, I write this, and you need to be uh, uh, more, co more correct uh, from the music uh, gra grammatics. <laughs> so he helped you with your musical grammar. Yes, yes. Because uh, <laughs> at that point you were writing scores on what – I don't even know what the terminology is, <laughs> but you were writing them with your hands. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Uh, but not now. Now everything in yeah. the <laughs> I'm, Again, I'm doing that for the kids who are listening. Um, let's do your second song, and then we'll get into all the other cool stuff that you're done that you've done. This is the uh, the Adagio in G minor for strings and organ. Yes. Uh, would you like to tell a little bit about it first, or would you like to just listen to it? It's um, very uh, controversial composition. <laughs> I kind of I kind of picked up on that and reading up on it. Yes, uh, because uh, in the fifties, um, one of the Italian uh, musicologists uh, announced that he found uh, the unknown score of Albinoni, and uh, he completed, corrected somehow, and uh, bringing. But uh, after it, everybody asked uh, where the original, and the original was not shown, <laughs> and it's uh, uh, it's the theory that uh, this musicologist uh, wrote uh, this composition by himself. So it's sort of a counterfeit because he claimed it came from something that wound up not existing. But he still made it. So in a sense, he may – I mean, we don't really know. But he may have just 
composed it to sound like that or something? It's a theory. I think that he, it's like a combination. It's huh. a, I think uh, the 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 base from it's my theory. <laughs> the base of uh, this composition it was on Albinoni's uh, melodies, but he he put it together uh, in the more uh, practical uh, modern way. Well, let's listen to it, and then we'll listen to uh, you also will have something that you have composed that in some way uh, extends it or reflects it, right? Yes. Okay, this is Adagio in G minor for strings and organ. Albinoni's Adagio is how it's known. Uh, this is our guest today. He's a composer, conductor, songwriter, record and film producer, director, editor, more. <laughs> Alex Goldstein, you're listening to Three Song Stories. It's biography through music. I feel like I've heard that before. Like it sounds familiar to me. Of course, it's one of the most popular. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you look at me like, yeah, it's been in a bunch of things. <laughs> it sounds in many concerts and uh, many radio shows and uh, used uh, as uh, music in different films. I'm going to look up afterwards what films that's been in because I was feeling a film somewhere in me. So then you composed Rhapsody on the theme of Albinoni, right? So tell us about it, and then we'll listen to some of it. This is a um, work uh, reflected on the theme of Albinoni. It's, uh, it's about uh, 30 minutes composition in the form of variations. Uh, and uh, I made for myself, like... Uh, additional uh, challenge to uh, record, uh, to compose uh, each variation in style of different composers. Okay. So uh, sometimes the theme is revealed, sometimes it's uh, pretty far from the original. So it's in different rhythms, different genres, uh, different kind of uh, orchestration. Uh, this one is um, for uh, violin, cello, piano, and string orchestra. Well, let's listen to it. listen to that. And what I mean by that is, are you listening to the parts, imagining how you assembled them? Are you imagining watching the performers record? I mean, how does you, how do you listen to that? Like, what, how does that work? Uh, first of all, uh, maybe uh, I knew how it should be sound when I uh, wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, then it's challenge to uh, to record it. Yeah, and, I mean, like and, today, and, like and, listening to it, like with us now. Like, where are you going? How are you? Are you seeing the parts? Are you? You know, I, I don't know if that's a silly question. But. Uh, I just complete to mixing it <laughs> because it was. Uh, uh, 
pretty extensive, extensive work for mixing. Uh, sometimes musicians have a wrong impression that uh, in the mixing room uh, you, you can fix everything. <laughs> so you were listening to it through the audio mixer perspective. Uh, for now, yes. <laughs> For now, if if uh, all balance are here, the all parts uh, on the right place, huh. and uh, uh, first of all, it's uh, the sound uh, in between uh, groups and solos instruments. Hmm. Uh, it sh- should be the the right sound. That was four instruments. No, it's uh, for. Full string orchestra. Oh, I'm sorry. One of the four was a full string orchestra. <laughs> when you broke it down before, that was a full string orchestra. What were the other parts? Or uh, the, the, there's a violin solo, cello solo, okay. piano solo, and, and string orchestra. orchestra. Yeah, that yeah. was the fourth. Yeah. Um, when you record that, um, I don't want to go too far into the weeds, but you know, Richard and I are recording nerds to some degree. Um, how are you recording that composition, that performance? Like what mics, who's got solo mics? Do you have just big broad mics? Does every instrument have a mic? Like how does that work? Uh, first of all, groups was separated. Uh, first sections violin, of the orchestra. Sections <clears throat> separated. And uh, for two or three uh, mics to the, uh, uh, to the sections. Okay. And soloist in the different room with the uh, monitors to see the conductor okay to uh, with the headphones to see to um, uh, headphones to listen to the orchestra and uh, this is a basic uh, plan of uh, gotcha so the soloists are in isolation places um, how would you record it if it had to be recorded from a live performance in front of an audience uh, it's not so many, not so many variations of it. You need to put uh, the, the, be... the mics for each group, and uh, if you're lucky, you can put the Toto Solis too, <laughs> and that's it. And maybe use uh, one microphone who takes uh, stereo of uh, the, the whole impression. Just layer it all together. Yeah. Hmm. So. Another major aspect of what you've done is making music or um, editing and arranging music that ice skaters skate to or explain your your overlap because you have worked with teams and Olympic athletes that have done all kinds of amazing things. What How exactly does that work? Uh, it started when I just a music supervisor and uh, at uh, the film studio, and uh, s- somehow we, we were connected, and uh, I started to cut music mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's the only way to to make the right uh, editing. Uh, because the sport music always uh, have. Uh, uh, very strict time uh, rules. Sure, yeah, yeah. And also the needs of the sporting uh, needs, uh, also music's need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it always be on the uh, one of the stream <laughs> of my uh, music career. And 
the mostly I uh, compose music for films. Right. And uh, I work at the same time uh, uh, with the um, with the skaters, with the synchronized swimmers, with the gymnasts. Mm. Uh, and uh, I was invited to uh, in 1980, in, in even 1979, to change the Russian Olympic team from piano accompaniment, the live piano accompaniment, to the to the tape. And uh, it was, uh, for them, it was very challenging things because the pianist could wait, could could put the same tempo as they need. Yeah, yeah, they can the they tape... add a little smudge room, <laughs> and there was no smudge room on a tape. <laughs> of, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, when it was made uh, on the tape, uh, the same sometimes a very strange composition was played on piano, they started to believe me that it's it possible mm. <laughs> to, to use the tape. And for several months before the Olympic Games, unfortunately, Americans didn't participate in these games. Uh, this team uh, won all goals. Mm. <laughs> and in the individual and the team, with my little help. <laughs> Did we'll do we'll talk about the film uh, composing next? But um, would a would a team or a coach or an athlete come to you with music that you would make fit, or would you find music that worked with what it is they were doing? It's both ways. Both, both ways. Uh, sometimes they found something interesting, and uh, sometimes they found something. Oh, please don't do it. <laughs> don't use it. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the, sometimes I s- found something interesting for them because uh, it's, it's still in Soviet Union time. Uh, I asked them to bring me some special records, which I knew which could be good for them, and they did it. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I was invited to go with the figure skating team to go to the competitions, and uh, find music in the record store by myself. It was a big pleasure. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, and it helped me to uh, make a new, some sort of new wave in the music supervising because I could use the, the Western music uh, and no, not uh, even announce that it's Western music uh, because it was not allowed. Uh, I wrote that it's music of the uh, Baltic uh, Republic's <laughs> composer's work. So you got away with a little bit. Yes, and uh, I made uh, music for eight uh, the most popular uh, cartoons in Russia. It's like in Tom and Jerry style. Wow. Uh, and uh, uh, I used mostly Western music, and uh, it was became popular, and people even now didn't uh, realize that it was uh, the Western music. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully they're not listening to this. <laughs> and it's, it's became uh, like a f- fresh air uh, for for Soviet ears. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It'd be like you hearing Glenn Miller for the first time. They, You know, you're watching this cartoon and you hear this music that has something different about it. Huh. When you compose for film or score a film, are you watching – 
early cuts of the film or you know how does how do those parts come together for a film especially back then when we weren't living in a world of instant previews and editing digitally and all that stuff uh sometimes uh, mostly for feature films i composed 27 feature films uh i read the script and uh, sometimes uh, the music's need to be recorded for the filming mm-hmm. before before the editing um sometimes uh, and mostly music when uh, the editing uh, pretty much done the rough cut is done and uh, pretty much uh, the timing of each episode is was conformed and i started to music uh, f- f- um, for exact timing uh, uh for uh, documentary films uh, scientific films or commercials uh, it, i was invited when uh, editing pretty, pretty much done and uh, i see that it's just a silence editing without any sounds uh, uh, and i just uh, um uh select the episode which is music needs to be recorded uh, and uh, also by, by timing of this i uh, made the scores and uh, went to the orchestra and uh, mostly uh during the recording it was projection so you were you were watching a projection and, and conduct, they were playing, conductor you were conducting them yeah, and uh, if it needs to be a transition of some different uh, kind of music, uh, I put some signals on the film uh, to for 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 one second or two seconds or three seconds for conducting to be ready to change uh, to the different uh, piece of music. If you were working with a rough cut and you recorded with an orchestra. Did that lock in the director-editor to some degree? Because if they made changes, then you might have to go back and record again. Uh, record again, it's uh, very rare happened. <laughs> so once you got that down, they pretty much had to conform what people saw to that final audio. Uh, I edited uh, music oh, you were, were you... by myself uh, on the uh, magnetic films uh-huh. uh, with perforation like a uh, uh, video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, not video. On film. The, on, on the film, yeah, yes. like 35 millimeter film. And 35 millimeters. <laughs> That's magne- about how big your hands <laughs> Yes, 35 millimeters magnetic tape. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, synchronizing. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, uh, 35 millimeter film synchronizing uh, on the editing table uh, with the images, and I, I cut uh, the, this uh, magnetic tape. <laughs> huh. What brought you to the United States? 1991, from what I read. Yes. Uh, I, it, it was uh, several uh, reasons. <laughs> that was right after the Soviet Union, or right around when the Soviet Union broke It was out. still Soviet Union. Okay. When I left, it was still Soviet Union. It was Soviet still, okay, Union. so right yeah. there at the yeah. end. Uh, 
at the time when I was invited to any Moscow studio and also the Leningrad studio and many studios in uh, uh, in the European part and even Siberia, I uh, was not invited uh, to TV or radio, it was uh, government uh, institution and uh, it's a main propaganda machine. So um, my uh, Jewish last name was not sweet to them, uh, but they uh, offered me to or make a nickname or uh, work was a full payment without credits. And I refused it. Mm. I didn't want to do so it. So you had to get no credit on screen or change your name if you wanted to keep, keep working. Yes. Hmm. And uh, in radio, I, it's it's very beginning, I was invited to uh, introduce my uh, new film music. And uh, I decided that it doesn't work for me. And uh, on uh, on TV, uh, it was no secret that uh, we, we cannot uh, use your last name. Mm. In film production, was much more uh, difficult, uh, not difficult to, to to put. It's it was no problem. And then I saw the uh, during the perestroika. It was not uh, film was made by government organization. Uh, it was made for some co-ops and uh, uh, very unprofessional uh, people came to this and uh, started to dictate, uh, which is uh, great. Uh, directors uh, not allow themselves to do it for me. And we have some sort of collaboration and uh, uh, understanding of each other. Sometimes I need to walk out uh, if I don't agree with the uh, director. Hmm. I just w walked out. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Use what I wrote already. I don't need anything. Hmm. Uh, but uh, those people who came started to dictate, some started to, um, to do not so quality production, so I didn't want it. It's, uh, the third uh, reason uh, uh, is my family, and uh, I finally convinced uh, my family that uh, I need to go. <laughs> um, was it something that – was that just a decision that you can make? I'm going to leave the Russia. I'm going to leave the still Soviet Union and move to the United States, or, or is that not that simple then? Uh, my mm, – my friend and my uh, parents' friend, uh, he already lived in the uh, United States, and he sent me an invitation, and in his letter he uh, wrote that, I understand that this time you're coming for good, and you are welcome to, to be at my place. And I came and uh, spent a couple of months in his apartment, and um, uh, the, uh, with my son, <laughs> and um, uh, that's it started. And I came as a tourist, 
and I was able to change my status uh, with the Extraordinary Ability Program, uh, which I was able to get the green card. And uh, 10 months I didn't work <laughs> uh, full-time, but I was able to do some radio shows on the Russian radio. Huh. I didn't do it uh, before, but I need to be figure out how to do it. And it was uh, when it, I was uh, selected, I found out that it was a competition of the programs, and suddenly I won it. <laughs> oh, wow. What and in uh, in a year, this radio station uh, opened the TV, and I was invited to wrote all opening, uh, closing bumpers, uh, opening for di different shows, for news, uh, and after it, uh, it's pretty much done for the for TV and. Uh, they offer me if I can edit uh, video. Yeah, I told you yes. <laughs> of course, of course, I can. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's happened that I had a lot of passive experience uh, being in the editing room with the film I compose music for. So it was pretty much uh, easy to me. So all of a sudden you were like, oh, I work in TV now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in a couple of years I became an executive producer of this TV station. Uh -huh. But I didn't want to stay in the managerial position. Maybe it's a mistake. <laughs> uh, and I um, started uh, uh, to go to the uh, very advanced Manhattan school uh, making a digital video, digital uh, sound, graphics, uh, audio, uh, music. No, not music, not music. I learned by myself. Uh, so uh, after it, I started to do everything on computer. And uh, it was first uh, non-leader uh, video editing. This would have been like what, mid to late nineties? Uh, ninety-seven. Okay, yeah, yeah. Huh. So it was advanced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was advanced. I mean, now we would look back on it and chuckle, but at the time, it was very much a new world. Yet I am still using the media composer for editing. I use the Pro Tools, which is former digital design, which Avid bought uh, for audio editing. Uh, and some sort of uh, mixing, and I use uh, Sibelius, the music notation program, also from Avid, to, compo to compose music. It was not so easy to switch from the writing music on the paper and in the computer, because computer uh, forced you to be much more organized. Yeah, which is a good thing and a bad thing, maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's need to be to just switch your brains to this. Yeah. And uh, uh, then uh, you don't feel any any uh, th anything uncomfortable. Yeah. Seems like you could probably these days, you could probably write it all down with your pencil and then take a picture of it with your phone and put it into a computer and then it would just be transmitted onto a screen in digital. 
I didn't try it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining that that I bet that exists. I yes, bet that's a thing. But, uh, but I think that uh, I don't need to use my my pen. <laughs> uh, um, it's I can can play or even uh, put. Yeah. Uh, the mouse uh, to the to the score. <laughs> That's it. But maybe something is lost. <laughs> of course, maybe something maybe. lost. <laughs> um, well, let's do your third song now. This um, is the uh, the theme to the uh, Romeo and Juliet film. Yes, uh, as a music composer, uh, I admire music uh, of Nina Rota, one of the most uh, famous and attuned composer of twentieth century. Uh, he worked with the all greatest uh, Italian um, directors, Fellini, Zeffirelli, many more. And um, I think I tried to make uh, some composer debut, uh, tribute, I'm sorry, composer tribute, tribute <laughs> uh, for Nina Rota to make uh, uh, this music which is very rare composed. Uh, I try to use his music uh, to the stage with very rare perform on the concerts. Mm. So I used his 12 themes from different films and uh, made it my way. So I changed... Uh, the tempo, I change uh, the genre, I change uh, the rhythms, uh, and um, this particular thing, um, theme uh, from Romeo and Juliet, uh, I use it uh, in a figure skating program for American uh, skater uh, Sasha Cohen, if you remember her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, uh, this is works uh, which is about 35 minutes in three parts. And uh, I would like uh, to show you just one uh, theme of it based on the uh, theme of film of Nina Rota, Romeo and Juliet. Well, let's listen to Romeo and Juliet, then we'll listen to the fragment that you sent us. This is Alex Goldstein's final song here on Three Song Stories. This is the theme to the 1968 film Romeo and Juliet, composed and conducted by Nina Rota. Now let's listen to the other one. What's it called? And, and explain a little bit about how the one links, links to the other. Uh, this is the theme. This is the same theme, but I uh, put it to the different rhythm. You will recognize this rhythm. <laughs> and uh, I made, uh, uh, I think, different atmosphere of it. Uh, I didn't want to repeat uh, this uh, excellent lyric uh, romancing uh, style. I try to use the theme in uh, with a different angle. That brings to mind a tango 
I think. Yes. Like right away. <laughs> Richard, yes. Alex, yeah. Alex. Hi, Richard. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I, uh, as soon as it started, I, I could see Morticia and... Um, Adams? Yeah, Morticia Adams <laughs> and Gomez, yeah. It's a crossover style, yeah. so, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all genres are uh, allowed. <laughs> um, that one, I don't think, but at least one of the three songs of yours that we've played, or one of the pieces that we've played parts of today, will be played at your concert that's coming up in Naples, right? Yes, uh, the In the Mood uh, will be played on my concert. Uh, in the Jewish on, Mood. Yes, in, <laughs> in the Jewish Mood will be, will be played on the concert on February 10 at uh, 7.30 uh, at uh, Nina Iser Jewish Cultural Center. And Rhapsody of Adagio, Rhapsody of the Theme of the Rhapsody of the Theme of Albinoni will be played on February 25th. Uh, it's better not say the, the, we'll, the name we'll, of the the name of the church. Uh, yeah, we'll have all the, those details on the web post that has the audio for this okay. show. So we'll direct you, uh, people to it that way. Um, are you still like actively composing music? Like like when you go home today, or you know, within the next two weeks, are you going to sit down and 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 write music for something? Yes, I constantly write music. Uh, uh, in my portfolio, the couple of uh, symphonic works, I wrote uh, the Naples Symphony, and uh, this is uh, four part of symphony, uh, not so uh, following the classical symphony development, it's more modern uh, kind of symphony. But it's uh, name of uh, Neapolitan symphony, name on, first of all, I live in Naples. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and secondary, uh, it's also my uh, childhood impression is Neapolitan dance of Tchaikovsky because of the, uh, the most famous performer of uh, this piece uh, of music, which trumpet is soloist. He uh, lived in the same apartment building, and his son was my the first, uh, the best friend. Wow! <laughs> uh, uh, so, but, but uh, this piece uh, have a length of about uh, one minute and twenty seconds, and I composed thirty-five minutes of symphony of it. <laughs> wow! Um, <laughs> no, with, with some elements, it's, yeah, it's a yeah, lot yeah. of different uh, kind of materials, of course. Um, we're going to do the speed round, but I want to ask one last question. When was the last time? I, I would like to, if you don't mind, I would like to say about my uh, other compositions. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Shortly. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, recently I uh, um, made um, programming music. It's a symphonic poem. And this is a symphonic poem based on Hamlet monologue. Oh, it's, it's about also about 40 minutes composition, and each fragment of uh, Gamlet's monologue, its character of each, because it's have a lot of fragments, mm -hmm. and each, uh, each fragment have a musical equivalent. Huh. Music 
mood of it, characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. So it's uh, written for full symphony orchestra. Has it been performed? Uh, it will be performed next season. Next season? Yes. At the Naples Phil? Uh, no. No? no, no, it's different orchestra. I would like to, to just, just keep it in secret. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so uh, I compose also music uh, for chamber orchestra. Uh, my composition, will, which will be recorded soon, it's for string orchestra with piano and bass guitar. Mm. It's kind of new composition. <laughs> And uh, like an electric bass, electric bass, okay. yes. Okay, <laughs> yeah, electric bass was full, uh, even pretty difficult uh, part of it. Not not just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the composition which I almost done, it's for pipe organ uh, and. Uh, Two violins or violin or viola, I need to make a decision soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it's uh, oh, five piece, uh, five, five, five parts composition, and uh, I think it will be performing in Naples next uh, season, I hope. <laughs> so you just live steeped in music. Yes, and at the concert in Naples, uh, it will be um, very unusual. The one on the 10th. Yes. It will be very unusual work. Uh, it's for live musicians, piano, violin, and cello, plus uh, video with synchronized audio, and it will be performed together. So you've produced video that it will be synchronized to the live performance. Yes. Huh. What's the video of? Or do you not want to give that away? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> three parts of completely different videos. And uh, uh, first part, it's just a graphics. Second part, it's nature. And third part is all time lapse uh, since huh. uh, I collect this video about two years. Time lapse, you said. Yeah, right? time lapse. Yes, huh. uh, uh, and uh, I filmed by myself, and I selected this to uh, to be exact with my music because the video usually used like a background video in making just just a mood or something not uh, really uh, in close connection with the sound. Right. My composition is 100% uh, connected with the sound. Uh. So it's edited by music, following music. This is going to be a strange aside, but I don't know if you watch modern films that often, but there's a movie that came out a few years ago called Baby Driver. You ever heard of it? It is not a musical. It's not like people are busting out into songs, but it was filmed to the songs that were going to be in it. Mm -hmm. So they didn't shoot it and then make the music fit. They had a music editor on set that was playing the songs that the actors were playing the scene to. And so the entire movie down to the weirdest little 
detail. Yeah. So, for example, is synchronized to the pop music songs. You yeah. know, like songs that you'll know, but it's like walking down the street. Maybe he taps on a door. Maybe he, yeah. Or, maybe he just, you know, says hi to a lady, and it's during a, per, you know. So you'll have to check it out. You'll, you would dig it, I think. It's in style of video clip, for for songs. Uh, yeah, Something kind like of. This, except right? it's a feature film where it's yeah, like that yeah. basically the whole time. <laughs> yeah, huh. it's interesting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Of course, it's very interesting. Huh. When you said time lapse, was that something that you made with modern technology, or is that old? Like, no, it's modern technology. How do you do time lapse with mine? Are you like using a digital camera and clicking it twice and then uh, there is it? a there is a special uh, selection. Which you can put for time lapse. Mm-hmm. You know, on, on your phone you can put uh, it well, on. Yeah, time-lapse. Well, I, I was hoping you did it more <laughs> manually. <laughs> uh, but uh, but the very important part that the camera should be steady all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a main uh, rule for the time lapse. I uh, we're, we will get to the, the the actual back to the show in a second. But I took a class. I think I was going into sixth grade. I took a summer class um, where they we got to make with like a like a Super 8 or a you know a film camera mm-hmm. um, where we got to make time lapse. So it had the little cable release, and you could go and yes. you could move it. And we got to bring it home and have a have a tripod. And me and my brother made a a film where we were racing around the neighborhood. In invisible go karts. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's very interesting. So that was one of my earliest like camera memories, huh? Um, all right, Alex, you ready for a speed round? I'm going to ask you some strange questions. Okay, go ahead. And uh, feel free to not answer, but I'm going to do it. Uh, <laughs> do you have a nickname that has stuck over the course of your life that you'd be willing to share? No, I don't have a nickname because I forced to make. Uh, nickname by myself, but I refuse it. <laughs> okay, you're allowed. Uh, have you ever done, or would you ever do, karaoke? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, my singing is not so good. <laughs> I know it, about it. If you were a championship wrestler, what music would you enter the arena to? This is not actually maybe such a weird question, because you put music to uh, events. Let's, let's do Rocky. <laughs> the Rocky theme? <laughs> Rocky theme. <laughs> um, if you had to guess, what would you say is the song you've listened to the most times in your life? You know what? My musical preference is changing over time. So uh, what I didn't like in my uh, youth, I like now, uh, or I was able to... uh, listen to in my uh, different uh, timing I don't like right now. So uh, I prefer to listen to everything because uh, you don't know what will will be triggered something idea. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, As a composer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you listen to music in the car? And if so, what kind of music and like how? Do you have satellite radio? Do you still play CDs? Uh, There is no CDs in in today's cars. (laughs) And um, 
Uh, I forced to listen to popular music or rock music because, uh, and uh, now we have in Naples a smooth jazz station. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it was, but disappeared to the classical music uh, channel. And uh, it's unfortunately for me because I maybe pref be performed to. Uh, I'd be preferred to use uh, to listen to classical music. Uh, we have a second band on both 90.1 and 91.7, which is 24-hour classical. So you can, like, I don't even have that fancy of a radio, and you can go to 90.1-2, and there's classical. On computer? No, no, in your car. On the car? Yeah, okay, yeah, it's, I it's, will. It's, 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 it's called HD radio, and most radios in cars now that's just built in so good to know. check it out <laughs> thank um, you is there a song or no um if you could choose to be able to hear a song for the first time ever with fresh ears and a fresh brain which song would you choose maybe some beatles song yeah which which one maybe elena rigby or here there and everywhere yeah, that's a great answer. Um, are there any songs you'll avoid listening to? I don't like rap music. Okay. Um, if you could broadcast a song magically into the head of everyone on earth in one collective moment, what song would you choose? It's a difficult question. <laughs> it is a difficult question, especially somebody like you who's put music to... To, to no, feelings. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it depends on the maybe uh, time of the day. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, idea could be changed. <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you off the hook. Um, what would your fourteen-year-old self, who was there in in Moscow, to, you know, studying music, uh, think of where you are today, who you are today, and the life you've lived since then? I think it was. Very good life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, with a lot of unexpected uh, turns. Uh, I never knew that I will do something with the video. I never knew that I will uh, in position uh, to, to be director or manager or... Uh, even composer at that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, everything from 14, uh, except maybe music, uh, everything was different. Hmm. Um, it w could you play a French horn today? I never tried. Yeah? Haven't even picked one up since, uh, since way back when? Uh, I have several opportunity to ask uh, the French horn player to give me for instrument for... For a moment, but I'm afraid to be very bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't even tried that one. No, one after note. after I well, stopped yeah, to play, yeah, you... I, I was afraid maybe to play, and I um, just turn it off completely. Hmm. I like to listen to the. Mozart concert I, I played, uh, the Richard Strauss concert I played. Uh, so maybe, you have recordings? Uh, not mine. <laughs> uh, right, 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 right. Uh, uh, the, uh, the orchestra solo, let's say, from the Fifth uh, Symphony of Tchaikovsky, the second part of the great uh, 
French horn solo. Uh, but uh, f- f- in my music, I use uh, the French horn section a lot to 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 play some uh, important parts. Mm. Your heart is still there. Um, okay, it is time for you to recommend three people who you will share this episode with, who you think we might be able to have on as guests. It's uh, Daniela Stereva, uh, the violinist from uh, Naples Philharmonic. Sounds great. And uh, she is the artistic director of Arts uh, Planet company which is hosting uh, my concert on February 10. Okay. And uh, uh, the guest of my concert, he is a, a professor of uh, Eastman School of Music. His name of uh, Michael Kappelman. Uh, he was many years the first violin of uh, famous Baradin Quartet. And after it, uh, he was first violin of Tokyo Quartet. And now he lives in uh, New York and uh, teaching in Rochester. And he'll be here on February And uh, he will be here at okay. uh, February concert. And uh, he play uh, one of my composition. Okay. Maybe we can work it out while he's in town. Um, <laughs> and your third? And your third... Uh, I think uh, the Boris Sandler, the uh, direct, uh, artistic director of Camerata of Naples, uh, this orchestra uh, played my music uh, several years in a row, and uh, I'm grateful for this uh, because my name, uh, it has happened in put my name among the Haydn, uh, Gendel, Bach, uh, uh, Tchaikovsky. It's, it's a privilege to, to be in the repertoire of this orchestra. Hmm. Well, that's all the time we've got because you've done it. Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? I've really enjoyed talking to you. No, I, I would like uh, to personally invite you to my concert. Okay. To be my guest, uh, the concert okay. at uh, February 10 at 7.30 in Snina Easter Jewish Cultural Center. And uh, uh, you will be have the, the privilege uh, chair. I would love to be there. I will be there. Thank you. For this week's parting tune, we're using the second of three variations that Alexander gave us from his Rhapsody on the theme of Albinoni in order to shine more light on it and his work than we did during his episode. And remember, Arts Planet is presenting a concert featuring his compositions at the Nina Iser Jewish Cultural Center in Naples on Saturday, February 10th. We make three-song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is host and online content producer. Our production assistant is Jared Gonzalez. Christophus is executive producer. And our theme song is created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. Keep listening.
Thank you.